The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Is it worth it? That was a question on my mind when I was in my basement on a stepladder, staring up at the drain of my shower with a hacksaw in my hand. Is it worth it? A couple of strokes of that hacksaw, and you know what's going to happen. The gray water's going to come out of the drain, run down my arm, probably land on my face and the muck that follows it. I've never lost an expensive coin, but we one time did lose a diamond. Turned the house upside down looking for it, but I had the brilliant idea that perhaps, since we found it nowhere else, maybe, just maybe, you got caught up in those traps underneath the drain, maybe fell out while you're in the shower or something like that. And I was standing there asking myself, is it really worth it? Because it was going to be a lot of work, repair the pipes, and you know, if I didn't find it in that drain, you know what I was going to do next, right? Cut the trap off of every drain in the house. Times like that you have to ask, is it, is it worth it? Well, I guess it depends what you're looking for. It depends what's lost. Jesus today wants us to ask that question, is it worth it, when we're considering things that are lost? He told some parables, a parable about a woman who'd lost one coin out of ten and a man who lost one sheep out of a hundred. And he wanted some men that were there in the audience to ask that question, is it worth it? Is it worth the cost, the effort, the trouble to go find what was lost and, and bring it back? You know, Jesus puts that same question in front of you and me today, too. Is it worth it? His first story says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This story that Jesus tells us puts that question directly in our face. Is it worth it? You know, today's the anniversary of uh, the day that terror was brought to our shores. And over the last two decades, our armed forces have been called on to to serve in harm's way to keep terror away from us. Um, Over the years, one of the things I've noticed, too, is one particular part of the armed forces, the the special forces, the operators, have been called on greatly uh, to put their lives at risk. Although I was watching a show the other day about these groups in the military, and one community struck me. It's uh, the Air Force Pararescue Jumpers. These are special operators who are a little bit different than the other ones. Their job is to parachute in behind enemy lines to rescue a lost sol- soldier or a lost, uh, a lost pilot. What struck me when I was watching this show is what the motto of that community is. The motto is that others may live. That's one worth pondering. Is it worth it? Right? When I saw that, I couldn't help but think of this story of Jesus where 
Jesus talks about a shepherd who's willing to leave 99 sheep in the open country, a place that's safe for neither sheep nor shepherds, to go after one. When Jesus tells this parable, and I read it, i got to be honest, if I had 100 sheep and I lost one of them, I'll be honest, I probably would just mark that up to loss and breakage, right? You know, that's just, write it off. It's one out of 100, 99% ain't bad, and why jeopardize everything for the sake of just one? I think we would just say that's, you know, and by the way, that sheep made some bad choices. (laughs) And who's to say it won't go off again, right? So maybe this is just better off that, you know, coyotes need to eat too, I guess. Uh, Is it worth it? That's the question. Uh, In in 1995, there was an Air Force captain named Scott O'Grady who was flying an F-16 on a peacekeeping mission in Bosnia. And while he was on uh, on peacekeeping mission, surface-to-air missile hit his his fighter jet, and then the the jet blew up midair. His rest of his flight that was with him saw the plane disintegrate, didn't see a parachute. Everyone assumed that he, he had died. But while his flight didn't see the parachute, he had ejected, and the enemy saw the parachute because or Captain O'Grady ejected. It was over enemy territory. It was during broad daylight, so everybody could look up and watch the parachute come down, and then the hunt was on. They wanted to capture or kill this American pilot. Let's think about Scott O'Grady there. I mean, he did what he was trained to do. He, you know, buried himself in the dirt. He hid. He moved only at night. He ate bugs. He drank rainwater. But for days, he was all alone in hostile country. No one even knew that he was there. And the enemy was all around, sometimes within yards of his position. Can you imagine what it would be like to be alone and scared in the middle of nowhere, waiting, waiting to hear that snap of a twig behind you that means it's all over? Six days later, an American jet flew over his position. He was able to radio, Basher 52, I'm alive. Those three words made the ships, the people on the ships, turn into a hive of activity. The question was, can we send a rescue force to go get this man? I mean, it's enemy territory. The ground is bristled with surface-to-air missiles. Is it worth it? That rescue mission, is it worth it to put a hundred men at risk that one might live? Is it worth it? The good news for Captain O'Brady is that the answer was yes. Turns out, when you count the cost of what's out there, well, it's worth the risk and the effort of going to find what's been lost. But you know, uh, more than anything, when I think about that, I'm reminded of the fact that this is exactly what our good shepherd did for you and for me. He went looking for the one. He was willing to go searching for the lost. He even went to the cross for the one. I mean, Jesus wasn't willing to lose a single one of you. His motto most certainly was that others might live. So Jesus tells this parable, uh, these two parables really, and In this account, we really see three kinds of lostness. Remember, Jesus is telling this parable in response to the religious leaders of Israel 
looking at the people who were gathered around Jesus, okay, and these are people who uh, did not fit the religious norm. They were, had been outside of church, for example, and yet when they repented of their sins and had faith in Jesus as Messiah, they were welcomed into the kingdom with open arms, and the Pharisees didn't like to see that at all because these were the wrong kind of people. They weren't good churchly people. Mm-mm, wrong kind. This man welcomes sinners, even eats with them. So Jesus teaches them something about lostness. And really, you can maybe think about three kinds of lostness in this, this account, right? The coin, a coin didn't make any choices to get lost, right? It's just a, it, it was lost by circumstance. Uh, there are people in this world that didn't run away from God, didn't run away from the church, um, but by their circumstance, they are outside of it. They're away from God, and they're lost. Then there's the sheep. The sheep made some choices, didn't it? Maybe this is a, a lostness that you and I are familiar with. Because, uh, you know, that sheep didn't, I'm sure, this is not the way sheep work. They don't just pick up their head, get a scent, and take off running across the pasture. No, he just made one little choice at a time. Somebody once described it as saying, nibbling your way to lostness. Maybe that's the kind of lostness you and I can know well, where we make a choice to go down a path where our shepherd wouldn't have us go. Just a step or two till we've nibbled our way away from the flock and we look up and and wonder how we got there. Or maybe the kind of lostness that you and I experience more often is the lostness of the Pharisees. Because there was a third group of lost people in this account, the coin, the sheep, and the Pharisees, who thought very much they were inside of the kingdom of God, but they very much were not. You know, Jesus at other points said, he said, you know what, the prostitutes are entering the kingdom before you. You think that you're in the middle of things, but but you're not. It was their their pride, their self-centeredness, their look down their nose at the other people, the it's all about me sort of attitude that pushed a savior out of their faith life and placed themselves squarely in the center. Maybe that's a lostness that you and I can experience too when our, when our life becomes focused in all the wrong places. Right? And here's the thing, Jesus is saying that it doesn't matter how you're lost. If you're lost like the coin or you wandered off like the sheep or you're lost in your self-centeredness and pride like the Pharisees, lost is lost. But Jesus also says, we have a God who seeks and saves the lost. A God who's not content to leave you and me in our lostness, whatever way it is. And then... When he brings us back into the fold, when he brings us back into the house, when he restores us to be repentant children of God, what does he say? Jesus, when he tells parables, a lot of times he uses uses hyperbole or exaggeration. Um, You know, for example, when the guy finds the one sheep out of a hundred, what does he do? He rejoices, throws it over his shoulders, comes home, says, let's have a party. Or the, the woman who finds this coin, um, here's the exaggeration. A, a drachma is like about a, a day's wage for a worker in those days. So I don't know what we'd call that today. Call, say, say you have a $100 bill, 100 bucks. You lost a $100 bill in your house. Would you look for it? Of course. If you look for the $100 bill and you find it, 
Would you text all your friends? Go, hey, I found my $100 bill. Come on over, we're having a party. Then you go to Publix and you get everything you need. And at $87.50 later, would you really throw an $87 party because for finding a $100 bill? I mean, here, two things we learn here, right? Um, first of all, Jesus is using exaggeration to show us God's rejoicing has absolutely no connection or correlation to some great worth on our part. You know, you and I, what are we to God? Uh, a lost $100 bill, maybe not. One sheep out of 100, it's not going to change your life. But when God sees us return to him in repentance and faith, he says there's a party in heaven. The joy that God has over our repentance is completely outsized to the value of those who've come back. It just speaks volumes about our God that he would tell a story like this to lost people to show how much our God seeks and saves the lost. Right? Now it's interesting. You and I, who once were lost but now are found, Jesus turns to us and he asks us these same questions. If you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, you'd go look for it, wouldn't you? It's interesting, in the Greek, Jesus is expecting an answer that says, yes, yes I would. To lost ones who've been found, Jesus looks at us and say, if you had ten silver coins and you lost one, you'd look for it, right? Well, yes, Lord. Is it worth it? That's the question. Jesus now asks you and me, who've been found, who's worth looking for in your life? You don't have to look far to find people who are lost. You'll find them at work. You'll find them among your friend group. You might even find them in your, in your house. The question is, what are they worth to you? Are they worth seeking and saving? Are you willing to cut off the drain pipes? You know, uh, looking for the lost isn't always easy, but you don't have to look very far. You just have to leave the sheep pen. You can't, you can't find lost sheep inside the sheep pen. And now maybe you're somebody who's, not, uh, who's never been comfortable sharing your faith with other people. Okay. Well, maybe then instead concentrate on living your life in such a way that you give them a reason to ask you about it. Living your life in such a way that your Christian faith exudes from you in a way that people would say to you, where, where do you find hope during dark days like this? How do you have a commitment to your family that seems unself-centered? Where are you finding peace and stability in this topsy-turvy world that I'm living in? Where are you finding strength? Let your light shine before men, Jesus said, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Give them an opportunity to ask you and then be ready to tell them. Be ready to bring them. Be ready to introduce them to this saving God we have who saw you and saw me in all of our lostness and was not content to leave us there, but went and brought us back and forgave us and restored us. The people who are lost in your life, they're they're stuck with an idea that this life 
is about some elusive kind of happiness that's based on how I feel or how I look or what I own or what I've done. (laughs) Anybody chasing that kind of happiness? They're going to end up nothing but grasping at the wind. It's not any happiness at all. You can show them that there is purpose to this life beyond pleasure, that there is meaning in this life beyond self, that there is a goal of this life beyond now. That's to what your Savior calls you. We have a God who's not content with 99% of his children being in the fold. He wants absolutely every one of them with him. With him. I mean, that's why he died for you and me. That's why he took every one of our sins away. Well, he took the past that we drag around with us and he washes it clean. He found us in the middle of hostile territory and he brought us back and rescued us. He's returned us and restored us from our wandering ways. And that is exactly what he wants to offer to every other person in your life who doesn't know the joy of forgiveness and the peace of being right with God. He seeks us, he saves us, and he sends us. He sends us out to join his search for the lost so he might rejoice again. You know, Jesus has brought us back to the fold that he might release us into this world, that we might, as a church, have the same motto as those rescue jumpers, that others may live. Let's take this joy and this peace that we have and let's be part of that mission. That might be sharing your message with someone that you know. It might be working with our congregation in these ministries we have that seek to put the gospel in front of the lost in our community. It might be through prayer. It might be through your service. But our God sought and found you. And now he wants to send you. That others may live. One day, we'll get to join the party where our Father says, Rejoice with me. We have found what I lost. God bless it. Amen.